Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that gets you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by AT&T, I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, potholes on the way to self-driving cars, and why Reddit's recent cybersecurity breach should matter to all of us, even if we don't use Reddit. But first, Ivanka Trump and Jobs. The first daughter was interviewed this morning at an Axios event in D.C., where the buzzy clip is probably where she disagreed with her dad that the media is the enemy of the people. But the more meaningful conversation was about her efforts on the skills gap, which has become the hot topic from Silicon Valley to Wall Street to D.C. And in short, companies have lots of job openings, but can't find enough skilled workers to fill them. Now, this is something the White House has been a little late to realize. Just this past February, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin was asked about it at a conference, and his reply was basically befuddled. He said it's not something he'd been hearing about from companies. But luckily, in the past week, there have been a couple major developments in which Ivanka was instrumental. First, a piece of bipartisan legislation that gives states more control and more money for workforce retraining programs, particularly within vocational high schools and community colleges. And then she helped spearhead the creation of a task force that focuses on retraining and apprenticeship. So why this matters is we've been talking about workforce retraining for a very long time. And a lot of past efforts have failed, sometimes because of too little money, but often because of too little coordination between the retrainers and the employers. So if Ivanka can help focus the White House on these failings, even just a little bit, it's a welcome development for the future of America's economy. In 30 seconds, we'll go deeper with Jonathan Swan, Axios national political reporter. But first, this from AT&T. Here's a troubling pair of statistics. Only 2% of computing jobs are held by Latinas, even though Latinas account for 20% of all women in the U.S. That means there's a serious lack of relatable role models to help young Latinas realize the opportunities available to them. But AT&T is helping. AT&T supports a program called Tecnolachicas, a national initiative designed to raise awareness among young Latinas and their families about careers in tech. Stick around and we'll tell you how an AT&T employee became a Tecnolachica mentor and the way she's helping her own Hispanic community. We're joined by Jonathan Swan. Axios national political reporter who was in the room this morning when he pressed Ivanka on some trade issues. So, Jonathan, you know, Ivanka came to the White House with what a lot of people on the left viewed as kind of a moderating force on her dad. And she does seem to have this sincere interest in helping workers and in particular working parents. So overall, how would you describe at this point her level of actual influence? There is really not much evidence to point that she's been influential. Look, Certainly, uh, I don't think the president would be pursuing any kind of or, or willing to entertain any kind of paid family leave policy were it not for Ivanka. And I, I don't think the president was especially hot on the child tax credit. So you do see specific instances where her influence is visible. But in many large ways, she hasn't had any effect. One being uh, she's tried to shift the president on environmental policy. She really tried to get him to stay in the Paris Climate Accord and obviously was not successful. And then on trade, I was really interested this morning when I asked her that question. She has a pretty full-throated defense of the president's tariffs and actually used as a case study the reopening of a steel furnace. And when I pressed her on, well, what about all the businesses that are suffering because they rely on steel and aluminum imports, she didn't really... No, she punted. Completely punted, yeah. From your perspective, is that simply being deferential to her father? And we've seen her do a lot of that publicly. Or do you think it's an issue she really hasn't given a huge amount of thought to? Based on her answer to me today, I, I, I'm not sure she's thought very deeply about this issue because to just pick up on that one anecdote, I mean, it's possible she thought that I wouldn't ask a follow-up and that that would be enough 
by sort of sharing an emotional story about these workers that are still furnished, which no one would disagree with that. Those steel workers, you know, are probably overjoyed that they have their jobs back. But surely the, the next logical question is, well, what about the many, many, many businesses that actually rely on steel and don't produce it, but rely on steel and aluminum as imports? She did not seem prepared to engage with that question. Basically, is, is there a paradox here in the sense of, on the one hand, she's talking so much about training workers for the 21st century economy, but as you said, a lot of the people trained for that economy are now getting hurt or potentially getting hurt by the tariff situation. That was exactly the paradox that I put to her in my question, because her entire thesis, purpose for this workforce development is preparing workers for you know, the 21st century economy, the 2018, the 2025 economy, and one of the key realities of that economy is global trade. And so I said to her, I mean, a lot of these businesses that threatened laying off, potentially laying off people under pressure from these tariffs are businesses that have played by the rules and have adapted to the global trading system. They're businesses that rely on not only exports, but imports as well. So it is a contradiction. And in my view, she didn't have a good answer to that contradiction. You know, one of the things she's done, or, or one of the things the White House has done in the last week or so, they, they've done two things, actually. One, President Trump signed a bipartisan kind of job retraining bill, which gave the states a lot more flexibility. But she also, Ivanka, helped kind of create this task force, which is supposed to bring a bunch of departments together and work on apprenticeships, workforce uh, retraining issues. I'm curious, within the White House, when you see these task forces and folks from different cabinet positions getting together, is there a lot of collaboration on these issues? There might be now more collaboration than there was, but um, my understanding is that it's been very, very siloed. And you have people not only have different beliefs, but actually have been working across purposes. The issue in which this has been most evident and most is it all comes back to trade. There is as much division internally in the Trump trade team, almost as there is between the US and China. It's quite stark. We've seen reporting, and, and I can confirm it, that Peter Navarro, the president's hardline trade advisor, refers to Stephen Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, as Neville Chamberlain, and wow. that his efforts to appease President Xi are akin to Munich. That gives you a sense of the deep sort of divisions, in some cases, antipathy that exists here. And look, it's not as extreme as that with an issue like workforce development. My understanding is that workforce development is just not something that occupies a huge amount of mind share of a lot of these cabinet secretaries. One final question. Ivanka did, when she was talking about parental leave and, and paid parental leave, said it was not something that she expects to get done in this Congress. It'll have to wait until the next one. Is that an accurate reading of the situation? And is there any reason to believe it'll get done in the last two years of Trump's first term since it didn't at the beginning? That is an acknowledgement of reality that it will not happen in in this Congress. Look, I don't sort of like pr prognosticating, but... In other words, if there is this so-called uh, blue wave, is it more likely than if not? Yes, it is more likely because uh, Democrats are more inclined towards this issue in general. But it, again, it all comes back to the specifics. If what they're doing is fiddling around with uh, welfare entitlements and allowing people to access them earlier, that's not going to be particularly appealing to Democrats. Democrats want more money. They want federal money for, for these programs, and that's not going to appeal to Republicans. Look, if the Democrats sweep the House, yes, you could get some form of parental leave through the House, but then you run into a Senate that's likely to be very, very log-jammed, maybe narrowly held by Republicans. And if you get a, a policy that Democrats agree with in the House, you can bet whatever money you have to bet that Republicans in the Senate are not going to be supportive of it. So, they're going to have just as difficult a time in the next Congress, almost no matter what, 
the configuration is. Thank you very much to Jonathan Swan. My final two on self-driving roadblocks and the real story behind that Reddit hack come after this. AT&T's ultimate vision to create a pipeline was explored by Emily Villeda Principe. From college scholarship to summer internship to AT&T employee, Emily is now giving back by mentoring other young Latinas. Programs like Tecnolachicas matter, and more importantly, so do people like Emily, because creating diversity in the computing workforce can specifically improve the economic outlook of the Hispanic community. It's why our employees don't just work in their communities, but work for them, leveling the playing field and enabling everyone to rise up. AT&T is proud of employees like Emily and wants to keep supporting programs that help employees give back. And now it's time for my final two. First up is self-driving cars, which really are on their way. In fact, I'm not certain that my daughter, who's seven right now, will ever really learn the difference between a gas and a brake pedal, let alone a clutch. But there are some big hurdles that need to be cleared first, as Axios reported on today. So here's the quick rundown. First, cost. These will cost more, particularly at the beginning, and maybe more to fix, particularly if electronics are damaged. Next, regulation. This is a huge one, and expect battles between states, municipalities, and the feds. And then finally, insurance. Basically, who's responsible if two self-driving cars get into an accident that they were each designed to avoid? Yeah, it's complicated. Almost as complicated, probably, as designing a self-driving car. And finally, Reddit. Yesterday, the online message board acknowledged that some user data was compromised. After a hacker broke in and the hacker intercepted text messages of Reddit employees, specifically text messages that were part of what's called two-factor authentication, which is a common system designed to stop hacking. The bottom line here is that two-factor authentication, which kind of all of our IT people beg us to install, is giving way to what's now known as, quote, zero trust, which means you continually reevaluate everything connected to a network before letting it do something new. And this is a big lesson that Reddit just learned yesterday and expect to hear something about that from your IT folks shortly. And we're done. Big thanks to producer Adam Gracia. Be sure to follow us all day at Axios.com and sign up for my pro rata newsletter at signup.axios.com. Have a great National Coloring Book Day, and we'll be back Monday with another pro rata podcast.